Hello and welcome back to Recently Rated episode 16. I'm Flo. I'm Rob. And I'm Nathan. And this is a premiere because we are recording from the new uh, Recently Rated podcast studio, (laughs) 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 aka our new house. And we're very happy to um, finally be in the same room with Nathan because... Actually, I think we are, we are, this is the first episode that we ever record with you in the same room, right? Yeah, I felt pretty left out for like five months, so wow. yeah. good that we're here. Yeah. Crazy. So, finally made it. 16 episodes later, we finally <laughs> We're here. Um, yeah, so again, as usual, we have three movies this week. I recommended Coherence to Rob. I recommended Requiem for a Dream to Nathan. And I recommended The Hunt, uh, the Danish film with Mads Mikkelsen to Flo. Nice, nice. It was a very good, very... Pretty solid week, yeah. Yeah, yeah, solid. yeah solid week. And, uh, I mean, a little intense emotionally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was a lot. Yeah. It made me think back to that week where we had Incendie, Force Majeure, and something else. And it was mm. just... Uh, also, do we watch it crazy in one day, us two? Or? Oh, yeah, we all watched it in one day. Yeah. yeah. Except Flo missed Coherence, but yeah. yeah, it was a long day for me and Rob. Yeah. Yeah, by the time we got to Requiem, which was the last one, it was a little tiring. Yeah. <laughs> 9 p.m., good old fashioned drug abuse. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all uh, right. So, who wants to go first? I can go first, Coherence. All right. All right. Uh, so, Coherence is about. Uh, a group of people, friends, uh, at a dinner party, who basically begin to experience some strange happenings uh, at that party um, that transcend space and time and are uh, just very, very strange and loopy, as if um, things are happening from the future to them now, and things are happening from other places um, in their neighborhood to them in their house, and um, basically, yeah, they discover this house at the under, other end of the, the street, uh, which, when they look into the window, has them in it, and quickly learn that uh, there's some very strange things going on. It's about how that unfolds. I, I liked it. Um, I thought it was quite, it was quite interesting, and you know, it was really kind of a, a feat, because it was largely unscripted, and a lot of it was just improvised with the actors and the director and figuring it out as they went, kind of what was the best way to go about it, even though they had a, a structure and a plot. But yeah, they did a lot of it kind of on the fly and in a very, yeah, run and gun sort of way and very, very cheap um, in, uh, I believe it was one week. So, I mean, really impressive, you know? Um, yeah, and that, that aspect of that was really cool. I thought the sci-fi elements were pretty unique. I hadn't seen that quite in another film, so that was cool. And besides that, I did feel at some point like the story took a shift that was, I don't know, it just didn't really add much. I didn't know exactly why they were doing what they were doing when it turns into kind of her search to find the best version of her boyfriend and, you know, take him back from this woman that was trying to seduce him. And just becomes about that. And I felt like that just is introduced quite late and we don't, I mean, I wasn't super invested in that relationship and I felt like that wasn't yeah. the main thing. So I guess I wasn't sure whether it was 
Yeah, I felt like it was just a very kind of fun and cool and interesting film with a good atmosphere and some cool sci-fi elements, but beyond that, I guess, it didn't feel like it was necessarily the most focused in other ways, but overall, I mean, acting was good, and I think, yeah, again, just as this little indie sci-fi film, I thought it was quite an achievement, so, yeah, those are basically my thoughts. What do you think, Nathan? Yeah, um, I agree. The ending, for some reason, it just, it you know, it didn't do it for me. The fact that especially the way they go about it. The main character, who's this woman that we follow, she kind of discovers, uh, you know, spoiler alert, that there's more houses than just the two that they realized, um, which an issue with that for me as well is that I kind of saw it coming because, uh, you know, one house, they try to make like a code as random as possible so that they know which house they're going to with like color coding and a random object in a box. So halfway into the film, you have the blue house and you have the red house. And, you know, in my mind already, I was thinking, okay, at some point, they're going to have the greenhouse. Surely enough, 10 minutes later, there's the greenhouse, you know, which yeah. um, it was predictable, but still the way that they did it was fun. But then when it gets even further that they realize that um, a little area that they walk through can just, I guess, roulette them into yeah, yeah. countless different dimensions, right? Kind of like a multiverse situation. It, it seems like she just kind of randomly almost like she's possessed or something the mm -hmm. thing the idea to find this perfect relationship just yeah. kind of overcomes her and then she just walks away while everybody's fighting you kind yeah. of have no idea why almost like too convenient like it just, yeah she just it's like oh i want this to happen to the character so she's just gonna get possessed with this idea and just go for it and we don't quite understand yeah, yeah. it was like oh yeah i'm just gonna do this now so it's kind of strange yeah. but it was cool and especially the you know, the way the actors kept the dialogue going, I guess, or the way they can just fill up the dialogue, which wasn't scripted to begin with, it was really good. You know, the introduction of the whole comet idea being this cosmological event and then, um, you know, kind of a cute idea that one of the guys, his brother is this guy who works in, um, uh, what was it, quantum physics and stuff yeah, yeah. like that. And he knows all about this. And, you know, as much as some of it was predictable or a little bit cheesy, it was yeah. good indie fun. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I honestly quite enjoyed it. Uh, Flo, why did you recommend it? I think, yeah, agreed. I I was just really impressed by the the visual language of the film, by how it, it uses this almost documentary visual style where the camera feels very very alive and it's just jerking around and it's zooming in at will and refocusing so it feels you just feel so so present in the moment i guess and i don't know yeah i think i, I think that was just very striking to me and um that they pulled that off without it looking shit you know or feeling feeling dumb but i i really feel like the choice of doing that was was a great choice and um it worked mm -hmm. for the film and i haven't really seen much like it mm -hmm. i guess so mm -hmm. i think yeah i think that just made it really memorable for me yeah the, the visuality of it because <laughs> the plot not so much when you were speaking i was like oh i forgot about the greenhouse and yeah. about you know about so and so many things so i guess the plot is as you already pointed out it's not that special yeah but it's really well, the well i mean some of the sci-fi elements are unique yeah yeah it just seems to lose its way right right yeah. no i meant like the um 
her search for the best version yeah, of her yeah. boyfriend and these, yeah. these things are a bit more fleeting yeah and it, for for me the sci-fi elements as well or like the things about the houses right it wasn't even that it wasn't special it was that um you know when you're making a film like this and that's the concept and that's the story you want to do it's almost like it couldn't go any other way you know mm. i guess that's kind of why it felt predictable is because if they did anything else with it it would have been like whoa that's you know how'd you come up with that that's kind of crazy like yeah. this is just where i thought it needed to yeah, go yeah. for the story that it was yeah although i guess technically you could say like the last 15 minutes aren't that predictable because it just kind of comes in late in the film but yeah it's also maybe it's not predictable but not maybe for the right reasons because instead of being like an unexpected direction for what was already set up it was just more like just a new thing yeah it just happens and you know instead of a sci-fi film it became almost like a romance revenge film yeah thing. that was like so late in the film you know i mean there are hints of this but, <clears throat> but there are so many characters and it just wasn't really about that primarily i guess yeah so it was just like and i don't remember this because i i didn't rewatch it for the podcast but was it wasn't it in the beginning that you felt more like the group was the protagonist mm -hmm. and then from what you're saying it sounds to me like we're kind of leaving the group as a protagonist at some point and we just start sticking more to yeah. that one woman and her relationship problems because for a while like. we're going from character to character yeah, yeah seeing various relationships and then at some point yeah we just stay with her all of a sudden and mm -hmm. it just felt I guess a little strange like why you know why this drastic shift in point of view yeah, yeah. it doesn't seem to matter i mean i don't know i yeah felt a little, little little like it was lost i think to me really most outstanding is the the visual style and just how they made it you know not even it wasn't scripted right uh, yeah, well, it, well, yeah it wasn't scripted there was just like a like plot points and stuff the, the director knew plot points and he just gave them scenarios and he even didn't know what was gonna yeah. happen right he said he told the actors just do what you want basically yeah. right they can leave no or was it that they couldn't leave the house i think i forgot exactly what it was there was like oh. um he gave was... some notes as yeah. to what they could do and not and then just left it pretty much up to them right yeah because so... i remember there were moments he said that the actors actually got startled like from pizza delivery people coming or from yeah just whatever it was just a lot of running gun improv you know improvisational stuff yeah you also said that um he would give notes to some actors mm. and then you know kind of um hidden i guess yeah, you know yeah, just yeah. one on one from others and then they yeah. would just react off of each other based yeah. on what the notes I think were what he said was that he gave um various things that each character was supposed to do and what they were thinking and their motivation and whatever and he wouldn't tell anyone anything except what was relevant to their character and then he let them interact and, yeah uh, and that's quite cool yeah so i think that's really cool again visual style mm -hmm. and the fact that it was you know produced below 100k yeah and it's pretty much one location and um, it's yeah i mean I think it's just, uh, I think I mainly picked it as a, a beacon of hope, you yeah, know, yeah. for like <laughs> people with no money wanting to make films, you know, it's it's doable. You you can do something like Coherence for you Yeah, know, for what's cheap crazy almost. about it is that it's like multiple locations, quote unquote, so they really like stretch out their production value. Yeah. It's just one house, right? Yeah, right. Like they're right. acting as if they're going from house to house and place to place. But it's like, you know, always the same house. Yes. And so it's just one house. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it really was kind of a smart idea to really up their, their game, right? Yeah.
And even the fact that the quality itself of the film, when you're watching it, is honestly not that great. It almost feels a little camcorder-y, yeah. but the fact that, you know, like people say, it's quality over, um, you know, what equipment you have and stuff like right, that. Whether right. you're shooting yeah, it yeah. on a, you know, Panavision giant Ari Alexa thing or whether yeah. you're shooting it on a camcorder and it looks okay enough that it's passable. As long as the story mm. is good, and Rob would get mad if I say as long as the story is good. <laughs> but as long as the project is good, you know, yeah, 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 that's yeah. all that matters. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as with Bodied or, um, what what did I recommend? What, uh, unrelated. Mm -hmm. Where I personally didn't think, you know, it's my favorite movie or it's the best or, you know, mm -hmm. I just recommended it because i thought it was special in yeah. some way and it it um, especially to us as like wannabe filmmakers yeah and it's like movies worth checking out you know yeah even though they're not i don't know yeah the square uh, <laughs> ivan's childhood, I don't know. <laughs> ivan's childhood. Shape of water. or shape of water yeah yeah yeah, yeah. nothing beats that <laughs> yeah 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 so um, yeah ratings mm -hmm. uh so i gave it a seven I also gave it a seven. And I just realized that I forgot to check what my rating was. I think it was a seven too. I'm uh, pretty sure it's seven. Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. It's a it's a solid. It's seven an average movie. of a yeah. seven. It's an average uh, solid seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who's uh, who's next? I can go I'm next. I'm just gonna make a bad joke. Let's <laughs> <laughs> not record it. All right. I can go next. I uh, Nathan recommended. Thomas Winterberg's Thomas Winterberg's um, <laughs> Jagden, The Hunt, which, first of all, I was surprised to to get the recommendation for you. It was almost like a little Leviathan moment where I was like, what? <laughs> so cool, you know? Nathan's face right now. Okay, they think of me as like a Michael Bay type of guy, <laughs> which is just not no, the case. Not, not Michael Bay type of guy, but... It's just, you know, I'm not like watching Igmar Bergman on a Saturday afternoon for yeah, fun. Yeah. It's not even that, but I I don't know. I, I think from also your favorite movies, it's a lot of Hollywood stuff. That is, you know, pretty good. There yeah. will be blood, shape of water, things like that. American Beauty. American Beauty. Beauty. So I guess, you know, just the European, Scandinavian, independent film just kind of surprised like me that. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, no, it's, um, uh, just have to say that in, in the beginning, it's a great movie. I really think it's amazing. I, um, it was only the second movie of Winterberg that I had seen after we watched The Idiots mm. for editing class, I think. And it's basically, it's about Mats Mikkelsen, who plays Lucas, a former teacher in, in a small town in Denmark, I think. And he now works in a kindergarten. He's just, I don't know, he's the, the play guy, I guess. He's just, he doesn't do any classes, but he's just around and plays with the kids and uh, cleans up and does things like that. And then there's this little girl called Clara Clara <laughs> who has I don't know they, they have a kind of like an uncle uh, niece. niece relationship because she's 
Lucas's best friend's daughter and uh, Lucas and, and his best friend they they've known each other since since they were um, teenagers mm. and they hang out all the time they they go hunting together with this group of men and yeah so it's like a, it starts out pretty sweet you know you don't know what's gonna happen and then Clara basically in a in a you know child way admits her love to to Lucas and you know he does the right thing to do he just kind of <laughs> says because she she gives him a kiss on the mouth and um, he says that's only for mom and dad and you know tries to be nice in that yeah, situation not ma make anything that, yeah. yeah yeah and, and yeah. she gives him a, a little token and stuff and she she gets really mad about that and basically goes to the head of the kindergarten uh, a woman and tells her that lucas showed her uh, his penis basically yeah and that he was aroused yeah. and that he was aroused yeah that yeah what then unfolds is just this witch hunt where essentially the whole town turns against Lucas and everybody is convinced that he's a pedophile and um, at first it's just Clara who says that he did this and bit by bit um, more children start saying that he molested them as well and then the parents get just uh, crazy yeah. and absolute hysteria yeah and, and you know somebody kills his dog and leaves it on his porch and um, he wants to go buy groceries and he's beaten up and people throw these canned oh man. these these food cans in his face I and he's just him, bleeding yeah. and it's yeah. just oh it's just so rough because yeah it was you know it really got to me it was yeah. so it was painful to watch because it plays it also so well i mean the casting i think is spot on it's mm -hmm. just perfect and mm -hmm. i feel like it's this specific genre of movies where people who have done everything right just by you know being at the wrong place to uh, at the wrong time their life just gets messed up yeah mm -hmm. And then they have to, you know, prove their innocence or whatever it is. And uh, I think it was incredibly well done. Yeah. Yeah, and just, you know, very... Um, I don't know. I think I like stories about how we react in groups and how groups can be very dangerous and things like peer pressure where somebody starts saying something and then suddenly people jump on the train and yeah. before you know it, you have... I don't know, you know... Yeah, and as soon as everyone believes something, then you just kind of have to believe it. It's like, oh, that's that's the truth. Yeah, and it's like yeah, yeah, and just how quickly that can lead to very destructive tendencies and yeah, things yeah. like that. So yeah, I thought it was yeah, definitely. it was great. I mean, I agree with all of that. Thought it was really good. Thought yeah, I mean, the acting, as you said, casting was spot on, and the acting was great. I think on everybody's part. And it's a lot of the um, the dogma people. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yeah definitely yeah so no, i just... think it's like a very also already uh, some of the crew they already knew each other and i feel like yeah. you can you can feel that there was a you know i don't know some some kind of prevalent con connection between them mm -hmm. yeah and like very naturalistic realistic acting and i thought the directing was great as well um just in general the film was the cinematography and the staging and everything worked really well and i thought the just a lot of the ideas in it, it was pretty 
they didn't like overplay anything in terms of also because you know there's some for example little symbols of like you know it's called the hunt and deer stuff and all but i felt like that was all pretty underplayed they never made a big deal out of it and i thought that was really smart and yeah and just in general i guess it was taking a really different outlook on a subject than any film i had seen before of like I mean, first of all, there aren't a lot of films about Philippines yeah. in general. Because it's not the funnest subject of the movie to, you know, watch. It's not, you know, exactly a, a big, you know, big uh, blockbuster kind of film, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't mm. get your families in the seats, you know, but, um, <laughs> you know, good family fun. Most definitely but not. It's, but it's, um, I just thought it was really an interesting thing to look at because what do you do, you know, we were talking about this with you, Nathan, like, what do you do if you're that person? You can't say anything, you know. If you say no, it's I didn't. It's not true. Then, well, you know, that's exactly what you would say if you had done it. You know, how are you going to convince anyone otherwise when, you know, a whole class of kids basically is telling everyone that you molested them, and all of the teachers believe it and whatever. You know, what do you say? And what's you know, how in the world do you ever absolve yourself? And the film asks the same question right at the end, where, um, where uh, you know, after having been gone to the courts and after having been declared sort of innocent um on the basis that the kids who had told all these stories had said that they went to his basement blah blah, blah and a bunch of stuff like this which turned out to be completely false because he had no basement and stuff like that so <laughs> all these really like false stories that were just ridiculously false and so the whole case got rejected um but you know nonetheless how do you kind of in the like eyes of broader community how do you absolve yourself and then at the, you know, the end of the film there's this moment where he kind of seems things seem to be better with his family and friends and then um goes off on this tradition hunt thing with um these uh, his son and the son of his best friend who go out with rifles and hunt with the men uh it's like a tradition of you know coming of age like you're becoming a man sort of thing and uh, and someone shoots at him. Um, now, <laughs> I thought that that was kind of more, uh, wasn't like a literal person shooting at him, but I don't really know. It just, either way, definitely the role it plays in the story is that even when things seem okay now, it's like you're always on edge. You could be, sh you know, like hunted anytime. And how do you ever get rid of that social stigma? So, yeah, I thought that was just some interesting questions to ask. And I mean, that could have to do with other things, too. I suppose not just child molestation. It could have to do with all sorts of accusations. And so it's just kind of a complex sort of subject, taking a different outlook on it and in a really like good, subtle, and complex way. So, yeah, really thought it was good. That just um, made me think of that scene in Gone Girl where Ben Affleck, he meets um, his, you know, deceased not deceased wife's ex-boyfriend or something who she also accused of rape mm. but was i think then later proven wrong but he also says in that scene that he hasn't been on a date in like 10 years because yeah. every time he goes on a date they end up googling his name and they see this you know rape allegation story and it doesn't really matter that it turned out to be wrong in the end. Yeah. It's just, you know, the it's just there. And nobody yeah. wants to go out with him anymore. Yeah. It just completely fucks his life. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so why do you recommend it, Nathan? Uh, yeah, as, as you guys said, it's not really the movie that I usually would recommend. But honestly, I remember watching it like 
thing. It came out in 2012. I watched it a year later just because I heard all the hype. And, you know, even when I was younger, where I really liked blockbuster films, it just it just gave like a really long lasting impression. And I, you know, sometimes I would catch myself thinking back to the film. And like you guys have said, it's just, you know, that question of, yeah, how do you ever absolve yourself from something that you didn't do? But like when, when it's in the the mind in the collective mind of the general public like even if it's wrong there's no way you can take it out of there you know there's it's very hard to ever get rid of it and um i know for me the worst like top three worst things that people can do to me is say that i did something that i didn't do like i get like really really mad so i can't even imagine ever being in a position where you know you're literally told by an entire society that you did you know probably the worst thing you can do as a human being on the planet and then but you didn't do it you know and the tagline i guess for the film was also something along like um you know a little white lie goes like a far goes a far way or something like that um is what it says on letterboxd and you know i guess it's, it's the innocence of children as well because you know she doesn't know that she's causing so much damage but as an adult you know as her parents or lucas and everybody there in the town like that's something that you can absolutely not joke about yeah so um you know it, it's it's interesting seeing something that usually let's say in comedies or dramas kids are used as like you know oh they made a mistake a little cute thing yeah. you know child innocence how you can completely turn that around and what if that went the absolute opposite direction yeah. you know um, and I guess as Flo was saying as well, kind of those false allegations, you know, this is, I guess, a film um, for that, you know, 0.01% of cases that are are spoken as false or accused as false. And um, yeah, how damaging that can be and how detrimental that can be to somebody's life. Because, uh, you know, there are people that actually exist in the world, kind of like the Gone Girl film where... You know, once that's out there, whether it's false or not, yeah, you know, you're screwed. So, um, <laughs> yeah, when you know, it's funny. I was thinking you were saying about the innocence and the adults and the difference between the girl and them, and it just reminded me of all those scenes where the girl's mother, when she tells the mom afterwards, "No, I would just said something foolish. It, it, you didn't do anything." Yeah. She then like says, "No, no, no. I know you're saying that, but it's just I think it's because." Like, now you're trying to convince yourself it didn't happen, and blah, blah, and, like, oh, you blacked it out, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And how, whenever she tries to come clean, even, um, everyone around her is just, like, making her believe that something happened. And to the point that now, at some point with Lucas, she's just, like, I don't know if you did something to me, even though she made the whole thing up, right? Yeah. Uh, because all the adults around her are saying, no, 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 he did do something to you, don't, you know? And so it's yeah. just, like, a really complicated thing, and it's, um, yeah, it just, it, it was really tough because it was quite brutally honest about a lot of things and so yeah at some point also everybody's so ready to just jump the gun you know yeah to be like oh fuck this guy yeah let's just let's just kill his dog (laughs) yeah what's also interesting about it is the way that like community hate can just build up you know how you can hate someone and treat someone in ways that you never would on your own when you're with a group where you're all hyping each other up Exactly. And what you said about, yeah, those kind of, um, uh, you know, liking films that have to do with group dynamics. Um, yeah. Definitely, this is one. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
Well, it's actually I think somebody once I don't know I don't know if it's a book actually originally, but somebody once made a film, um, even right grabbing a completely different topic um, about Nazis and how right. that whole thing mm. came about. Somebody made a film where it's a it's like it's a German film high school situation where they're learning history and the kids are like, oh, how did you know all the people in Germany ever rally oh, behind Hitler? Yeah, I think it's yeah. called the Wave the or wave. something. Yeah, yeah, and. Uh, you know, they asked, like, how did everybody in Germany ever rally behind Hitler if they know what he's doing? So the professor pretty much makes up this situation where now the class has rules, you know. Uh, let's say for another movie reference, on Mondays we wear pink, right? Mm -hmm. So everyone has to wear pink on Monday, you know. Some people do it, some people don't. And then the teacher gives complete freedom to the people that did wear it for them to bash the people that didn't wear it, you know, and slowly this culture starts becoming a thing within the class. And it's like this whole Nazi regime in there. Um, you know, in a way it's kind of like this, once all these people are hyping each other up and this just becomes the norm, it, like yeah. you said, it just, mm -hmm. it becomes okay in society for, you know, you to throw yeah. cans of food yeah. in Mad Mickelson's face. Yeah. <laughs> like, Have either of you seen the film, um, the Stanford, Prison experiment? No. You know about the case? No about it, yeah. I just know the story, yeah. but I haven't seen it. So, I mean, that's, yeah, again, just yeah. a whole other example of yeah. just putting people in a certain setting, in certain groups, and that leading to a whole bunch of violence and yeah. stuff. When all, the, the whole thing was simulating a prison environment, right, where um, it clearly wasn't, it was just an experiment, mm. but it quickly, just by treating them for like prisoners and by having those kind of group dynamics that are involved in prisons, um, it quickly becomes just like a violent, horrible prison, even though these are like normal, I think young, they were students, educated no? people. Yeah. yeah, they just put like normal, educated young people in a room, and if they treat them like prisoners, they just become them, and it was just, but again, it had a lot to do with group dynamics, I thought that was kind of a, yeah. a decent, not, it wasn't amazing, but a pretty cool film. But also, you know, because we're, we're talking a lot about Mads Mikkelsen and how we feel bad for him and all this stuff, but I guess reversing the situation real quick, if you were in the position of the parents, right? Like Clara's parents, like what would you do? Yeah. You know, you find out or you hear from your daughter, who's your daughter, as the, the dad said in the film at one point, like, oh, Clara's never lied before. Why would she start now? You know, if you hear from your daughter that your best friend, you know, sexually abused her. Yeah what do yeah. you what do you do yeah, in that yeah. situation and that i think is that the thing of the film as well is that it completely lives in this morally gray area yeah. um you know we know matt yeah. mickelson we we saw his character we see that he's a nice guy he's a totally chill dude you know has a cute little dog wants his son back the whole nine yards but let's say you take that away right you don't know mm -hmm. who the character is as a person and you cast like for the Hollywood creep, I guess, Paul Dano, you know, you're like, oh no, he did it. There's no, <laughs> I guess, going back to prisoners almost, right? Like, no, he did it yeah. 100%. He's at fault. Where are they? Where are they? And, uh, you know, completely different ballpark, completely different game. Yeah. Well, that's what I said, I think, at the end of the film, I just thought, you know, it almost like, I was almost mad that I didn't have anyone to hate in the film because yeah. I want to blame someone. But you're yeah. looking around, and you're like, well, the little girl, you know, yeah, she made, like, a dumb mistake, but she's, like, a little girl, you know, she didn't know what she was doing, and, you know, you could, like, blame her brothers are walking around with porn on their phone and showing them to her, and that could give her the idea, but, you know, that wasn't really, you know, obviously they had no intention of that happening, you know, it's like, there's no yeah. one, and the mother, you, like, hate her, but you don't really, right, because you can't, because 
her daughter said, you know, and it's, yeah. and so you have no one. You're like, I just, I, I want to be mad, but I can't be mad at anyone in this situation. And so, like you said, about wrong place, wrong time, and it's just. That's why it's so good, you know, about, yeah. because it's about that. Yeah, I don't know that. I guess we have a built-in sense of good and evil, you know, and if something bad happens, somebody has to, you know, mm -hmm. be blamed, right? Mm -hmm. It has to be somebody's fault. And this is just not really anybody's yeah. fault, kind of. So yeah. you're just sitting on this ball of, I don't, you know, aggression and yeah. it has to go somewhere, right? Yeah, but it can't go anywhere. And so, just, yeah. And then, like, slowly to me, at first it was like, oh, I want to blame someone. And then slowly just, like, turned into, like, just sadness. It was like, oh, this <laughs> sucks. Like, yeah, I can't do anything about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it co and I just thought it was just genius coinciding the climax of the movie with Christmas Eve. Right. And it's like you know the whole all the events they they right. boil up and it's just Christmas Eve. He decides to go to church and the whole town is there and yeah. you know it's all him. Yeah. You know Lucas against the people of. Yeah, yeah. Smurderbrut, I don't know. <laughs> it was really kind of a crazy thing because they were like <laughs> talking about baby Jesus. Yeah. And then you have the children that come up, and then you have blah blah, blah and he's like crying as everybody's talking about yeah. this, and he just starts bawling, you know. And it was a really sad scene. Ratings. Ratings. Yeah. I gave it a solid nine. Uh, I gave it an eight. I also gave it a nine. So that is a nine for the hunt. Yes. For Jagdun. From Thomas Winterberg. Yeah, I just had to say because he said Smurbrit, and then you were like, <coughs> "Yeah, you know, Christmas, baby Jesus." Like you said it like that for, for some really? reason. I was like, baby "What, Jesus. baby ba Jesus? Baby Jesus? <laughs> oh Lord, thank you for baby Jesus." <laughs> nice. Okay. And right. we have a Requiem for a Dream. Yes, Requiem for a Dream by Darren Aronofsky, your favorite director to watch on a little, you know, chilly, rainy Sunday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> really easy film, so much fun. Yeah, uh, best comedy of the year. Best comedy of the year, 100%. Not. <laughs> Not. Well, some parts. Um, okay, Requiem for a Dream, starring... Uh, Jared Leto, Jennifer Connelly, uh, Marlon Wayans for some reason, and the grandma, which I should know her name, but I don't, but she was nominated for an Oscar, which we're just going to have to say right now. Absolutely amazing. Not the grandma, the mother. Uh, so the story follows Jared Leto's character, I forgot his name, who's a junkie, and him and Marlon Wayans... Uh, you know, each week, like they're just people stuck in this bad habit. Like each week, he steals his mom, his mom's TV. Like that's the first scene of the film. Uh, he steals his mom's TV, and the mom even has it chained up to the radiator. But he steals it so that he can, you know, buy money for drugs. Um, but he, you know, he's trying to get out of his lifestyle because he wants to do better for himself and his girlfriend. So instead of actually getting out of the lifestyle, he puts himself more into it so that he can sell drugs and make money, um, you know, and do a little product testing on the side as well, just for the fun of it. And then, so we followed that story, the three of them, uh, you know, selling drugs and the relationship between Jared Leto and Jennifer Connelly. And then 
Next to that, we also have the story of the mother who she gets contacted by a production company that hosts game shows uh, so she can be on uh, You Got the Juice. Yes, yes. Yeah. Forgot what the show is called, but yeah. Yeah, it keeps repeating juice the whole time. Um, she gets a letter that she can get on the show, and that's her big break, she thinks, to be a big movie star and that society could love her. Um, yeah, those are the plot points. And then the rest of the film is just pretty much about their demise in trying to achieve their goals. Um, you know, the Jared Leto, for one, he is constantly trying to get that money, but he finds himself stuck between a gang war between the cops, the Italians... Uh, uh, and black people in New York and Brooklyn, and each time he tries to get more product, there's shootings or there's a whole bunch of situations happen, or his girlfriend hates him that you know sets him back. Uh, till him and Marlon Wayans drive to Florida to just get product straight from the um, you know distributor, and one of them ends up in a hospital, the other one ends up in like a jail concentration camp, and then the mother. She wants to be fit. She wants to be slim for the the TV program. And instead, she finds herself going to a nutritionist that just puts her on uppers and wrong pills. And she becomes completely psychotic and just kind of loses her mind over a couple of weeks. I was genuinely impressed. First, when the movie started, you know, I, I told the guys I thought it kind of felt like an Aphex Twin music video. Like, just for people that, like listen to underground EDM, like this is the type of movie they would watch. Uh, and I felt very uncomfortable, <laughs> usually not my speed. But then it's like you almost start to appreciate it at some point, you know, like you become so numb and desensitized, kind of like the drugs they're taking, yeah. that you just start accepting the film for what it is. And, you know, each time you have this 16 shot intercut of how they make heroin and shoot it into their system you know the first one you're like whoa you need to relax for a second because yeah. this is too much yeah, yeah. all those sound effects yeah. and then by the 25th one you're like oh yeah, it's a, yeah. yeah. shooting up again shooting okay. up again all right yeah, we're yeah. good um it starts to get almost just like boring you're like oh yeah this again yeah yeah, yeah. It starts to get almost boring but it's just so daring and probably one of the most daring films I've ever seen in just trying to be technically different, uh, different in the story, different in its approach. Um, and also, we talked about the ending where, you know, like I said, one is in a hospital and gets his arm chopped off because too much heroin and they're in the same vein. One ends up in some kind of like prison camp. The, psychiatric ward. Yeah, the mom ends up in a psych ward and Jennifer Connelly is uh stuck in this weird power dynamic where she gets drugs from this man that lives in brooklyn but yeah. she has to like you know have a huge orgy with yeah, five yeah. other women on a table while businessmen scream at them yeah. so just everyone yeah. is just sad yeah. and i kind of liked it more for that because you you know in a lot of films what am i trying to say I, it's good that people that did so much wrong, I guess, don't win at the end. You know, the film is almost like a PSA of like, oh, yeah, if you go down the wrong path, like you're not going to have a happy time. Yep. And uh, I like necessarily. Yeah. yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. So, yeah, I like that. It just stuck to its guns. And, yeah. you know, 
brought us there. And can we just talk about the sequence where I guess you know everyone is falling apart? Yeah. There's like this ten minute sequence where I just had my mouth open the entire time, staring at the screen, Crazy. wondering what is happening because it's just. <laughs> like visual overload really that was the requiem for the dream i guess yeah yeah, yeah it's just yeah dying everybody yeah. just kind of rots away in their their addictions yeah 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 um i've had a uh, very unsuccessful history with this movie because i tried watching it like twice before and just couldn't make myself do it because it i don't know yeah it's just grim and you have to just sweat it out i guess mm. and um first time I, I wanted to watch it i i just quit like 15 20 minutes in because i i also i couldn't take the um the high the high cut intensity i look uh on, on imdb it says that the whole movie has over 2,000 cuts, which is at least double the usual amount. So it's just, you know, the, the time that you you have to process a new image is a lot higher than in, you know, your, your go-to movie. So it's visually, it's tiring in yeah. itself. And then the subject is just tiring too. So yeah. I, I think I built up this, this, uh, rejection almost to watching it and uh recently i i had actually decided to just not watch it <laughs> like you know what maybe i just don't have to see it and then rob recommended it and i was like all right you know maybe maybe uh, it's time. it's good yeah it's time and i'm i'm actually glad i did because it um yeah it, it turned out to be not as bad as you know the the times i had tried to watch it before and i really thought um craft wise it was quite impressive mm -hmm. yeah because it it has such a such a distinct voice and i feel like lately we've had quite a few movies that we discussed that were quite distinct in in a visual way or in in uh narrative ways and you know you can just salute that i yeah. guess and um yeah I mean, these three three films this week are pretty pretty unique um, I mean, last week was even more, but yeah, this week's pretty, pretty unique too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess you know. Also, the the title "Requiem for a Dream" is first of all, it's a cool title. Yeah. I think it's very well chosen, and it really, yeah. I just, uh, I'm glad they didn't name it. You just, you know, just nightmare <laughs> or something, <laughs> something dumb. But it, but I mean, a requiem is. Uh, a piece of music you play at somebody's funeral right so that's pretty much what it is what the movie is you know it's just <laughs> we're gonna funeral of dreams yeah, yeah. funeral of dreams and it's just in, in itself as a concept if you think about the sentence of funeral of dreams it's so sad yeah and that's what the movie is and yeah yeah it's it, like a, a song just proclaiming the death of their dreams and yeah and then in a in like an almost perverse way it's i mean it's beautiful because yeah. if you I, I i only know mozart's requiem but right. it's just you know a next level good piece of music right mm. and so requiem of a dream uh, uh, Re requiem for a dream yeah. requiem, requiem for, for a dream, dream as a movie is so well done mm -hmm. 
even though it just kind of messes you up a bit when you watch it. So there's like a weird dynamic between it being artistically very rich and, and intriguing, yeah, but also just confronting you with these very deep pits of human yeah. failures and addictions and mm-hmm. vice. And, yeah. 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 Uh, for me, it's interesting that it's also, um, I guess, aged quite well. Isn't the right statement I'm trying to make because it's out of the, I think it's like 19 years old or something like that, or maybe more. Yeah. Um, but you know, it re- it really fits in that genre of late 90s, early 2000s weird films, meta films. Yeah. Uh, Donnie Darko, Fight Club, Club yeah. all those you know, film student have to watch. Yeah type movies um <laughs> but especially this one just it just did so much crazy stuff you know like i remember the scene where they take drugs and marlon wayans is dancing and it's just like sped up like 400 percent, you know and it just looks super weird yeah. or the uh the meta reality moment where the the mom is watching the the tv screen yeah. and then the characters on the tv come alive as holograms and then the fridge is trying to eat her yeah. and then her walls also disappear and become a live studio audience and i was like all right can we tone it down by yeah, you know yeah. a little bit because this is getting too much yeah in a very good way yeah, yeah yeah definitely yeah rob why did you recommend it yeah um and basically for all those reasons i just thought it was a lot <laughs> you know I mean, <laughs> like i thought the ending was crazy it, it made an impact on everybody i know who's watched it often in an almost traumatic way but it was um yeah just something worth watching i think uh and yeah i mean again visual style editing style acting um just general feeling it gives you because it's like a very specific feeling i feel yeah. like uh, the grungy cinematography with the editing and the drugs and the sex and the blah blah, blah it just all culminates in a very like kind of uh, feeling but that's like, yeah. specific to that film i feel like and and yeah, I guess just as a film about, yeah, addiction and like obsession, you know, because that's kind of, I feel like what's going on with all the characters is just them, you know, pursuing these dreams, but in a way that's destructive, right? So obsessed to the point that they destroy themselves in the pursuit of their dreams. And I felt like even as just a broader theme, I thought that was well, well executed and it really shows the negative side of that and i agree with you i thought the ending was really cool in that it just doesn't compromise you know just Mm. says you know what i want to make a statement about you know how awful this attitude and etc can be and and this sort of life and so i'm just going to do that i'm not going to pull you know pull the punches so yeah i thought that was really cool and and yeah just take so many risks as you say just gets like real abstract at times and just does things that are crazy but yet make complete sense in the context of the character's psyches and whatever. So, yeah, I just thought it was just was such a unique, specific film. And also, you know, Darren Aronofsky, I haven't liked most of what he's done that I've seen. And I haven't watched that many, but I just thought this one was very good. Yeah. But just, you love The Fountain. <laughs> I hated The Fountain. <laughs> to be fair, yeah, I haven't finished that one, but I watched like, I don't know, 30 minutes and hated it. But... Yeah, this one I really, really liked. So I thought, you know, a good Darren Aronofsky film, a good just classic you know, classic film. Yeah, I don't Class. know. Yeah, it's just one yeah. worth seeing, I think, because you're not going to see anything else like it. Class. So, yeah, that's, yeah. you know, that's it. Yeah, and I think, 
you said something about the style that it dares. Um, yeah, I think one of our term tutors said before that like if you're gonna try something different or if you're gonna try something new, don't have facet go all the way. You know, mm -hmm. like if you're trying to do a visual style, you can't just you know do two minutes of it in a in a two hour movie or whatever. Like mm -hmm. you need to just run with it, and that's yeah. the thing that they just ran with. Yeah, it. yeah. Like yeah, they just yeah, yeah. took it to the next level, and it works. And it's like if you don't like it, sucks to be you. Just yeah. take it. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I like it. Yeah. It's just, it's like almost rebellious. You know, it's like, I'll just do whatever I want and that's it. Yeah. No. Yeah. Of 18s? I gave it a nine. You know, talking about it now and <laughs> the amount of hype that we just yeah, yeah. built. Mm -hmm. Makes me almost think like I should bump it up to a nine two, but I gave it an eight like initially, so I'm gonna just yeah for now I'm gonna stick to that. All right. So also a nine for an average of a nine. nine for requiem of a dream. It's a sick yeah sick week. We have nine for requiem, nine for the hunt, and eight no seven for coherence. Yeah. Woo! Cool. Ooh, ooh. That's the end of the first. Uh... That's the first studio. From the official recently rated premises. So maybe somebody recommends something to me first because I need to decide what I wanna what I wanna do. I'm gonna recommend a ghost story, the flow. Ooh, okay, yeah. Great. I've been wanting to watch that forever. Much appreciated. Um, you know what? Fuck it. I'm gonna give uh, Slow West to Rob. Okay, so I'm gonna give Slow West to Nathan. Sorry. Dowie. Slow West. Slow West. I have no idea what that is. Yeah, yeah. So this is gonna be interesting. Um, wow, Rob, I'm looking at your watch list right now, and there's, <laughs> there's so much to pick from. It's kind of crazy. Ooh, I see something, but I had something else in mind for when that comes up. But is it your turn? No. Okay. Um, Rob, you know what? Let's take a chance. Alright. Oh, wait, no, I had to do this one. Rob, I'm gonna give you Synecdoche, New York oh, from Charlie Kaufman. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, that'll be fun. Yeah. Cool, that'll be an interesting week. What's that, uh... Synecdoche, New York, Slow West, and uh, Ghost Story. Oof, man. Ghost Story and Synecdoche. Yeah, that's crazy. It's like a little yeah. abstract, weirdly. Very it. meta. Yeah. All right. Crazy. Cool. Um, that's it from us for, for this week. I hope you all stay safe. You know, this corona shit is very persistent, not going anywhere, so... Yeah, let's just keep safe. Let's just keep washing our hands and it's not funny anymore, man. I want my life back. Yeah. <laughs> and um yeah, see you or hear you again for the next episode of Recently Rated. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye.